got the results of the five ballot initiatives on election night in, in 2020. We had the Georgia special. It felt like state level momentum was finally going to translate into federal momentum. Where is the Biden administration? I don't understand why uh, the president hasn't acted on this yet. But in my mind, that inaction is just completely unacceptable. Cowan's Beverages, Tobacco, and Cannabis Analyst, doing our South by Southwest podcast, invited to be joined by Canopy Gross, VP of Government Relations, David Culver. Hi, David. Hey, how are you? Great to be with you. So great to see you. We just had a fun panel, so I'm excited to follow up on that. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, obviously, you're a lobbyist for the industry. I am, yes. Explain to our audience what that means. Well, I'm, I'm one of the many advocates uh, that the industry has hired, so individual companies uh, either in-house or as a contract uh, uh, situation that is in Washington, D.C., that is in state capitals, that is really advocating for all things cannabis reform. Uh, and that's what I do all day long, every day. And that's on the heels of spending 16 years doing that for the alcohol industry. But it's got to be a night and day experience. It is night and day, although there are a lot of parallels. So, you know, the alcohol industry, I think the model, the regulatory model that the alcohol industry has is going to be something that's very similar uh, to where we end up eventually with cannabis. Uh, there'll be a fairly light touch on the, the federal level. And then, of course, the bulk of the regulations will be left to, to the states to deal with. Uh, that's how alcohol does it. That's how I spent my career for 15 years was, was in those lanes. Um, so I've been able to take a lot of those parallels and I've been able to use them as we're starting to think about shaping state markets and, of course, what that federal overlay uh, will eventually look like. Uh, you, uh, we also have in the beverage alcohol space, as you know, because you follow all this so closely, we've got a lot of these companies that have invested in the cannabis space, including my company, um, which Constellation Brands has invested very heavily into Canopy Growth. So there are some parallels, but um, I'd say the bulk of my day is vastly different from what I was doing in the beverage alcohol space. <laughs> I mean, I think that federal overlay is, is so important. If I had to guess, that's probably the, the biggest divide. So how do you build consensus in cannabis? Does it exist in alcohol? Yeah, it does. Uh, and uh, it's one of the things that when I started in the cannabis space, I immediately saw that we needed to unify better. So we needed to uh, come together underneath one big umbrella. And this is everybody under the sun. Uh, we needed to be making sure that all of the armies that are out there advocating for cannabis reform are marching in the same direction. So um, through uh, relationships that I had developed uh, right off the bat, we um, began and we developed and we actually stood up about a little over a year ago, the U.S. Cannabis Council, um, which is a, <clears throat> a trade association inside the Beltway. Uh, we have built it out over the, the last year. And the whole idea there is to create unity within the industry. And the reason why this is so important is that when I did work in Washington and or state capitals, uh, if the industry was divided, the politicians never wanted to touch it. So it doesn't matter what the issue was. It was, you know, whether it was Sunday sales or a tax uh, reduction, uh, if the industry was at odds with one another, then the legislation was going to fail. If we were united, uh, then I think um, the well, I know that the, that we have a real opportunity for success. So building that coalition out is something that I spend a lot of my time on, and that's really what this is. Um, we're going to have to deal with the lowest common denominator, of course, uh, because we have so many different groups underneath one umbrella. But I'm excited about what we've done with USCC. I'm excited about some of the pro bono positions that we put on the board. 
Last Prisoner Project uh, is one of them. They're here in Texas, and we had a great event with them yesterday. Uh, I'm so thrilled with the work they're doing. Responsibility.org is another. They focus on um, underage consumption and also uh, traffic safety. Those are incredibly important issues for the cannabis industry. We need to be leaders in that space before we have federal legalization. Um, so those are just a couple examples. We've got many others, uh, but I'm excited about the direction that that group is going. And eventually it's going to be the Distilled Spirits Council uh, of the cannabis space. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I appreciate you asking about that. Well, I'm excited to hear about it, too, because, you know, Cowan is a corporate sponsor of, of LPP. It was a great event last night. But, you know, making sure that those constituents have a seat at the table arm in arm with you guys as you're working to make progress, I think is so important. And I think really can validates the purpose that everyone speaks to, but is perhaps maybe a little bit harder to see. And, and one of the reasons it might be hard to see is because, Yes, every state talks about social equity when they write legislation, but we haven't seen it yet. So let's talk about that in state-level reform. Yeah, uh, that's been something that states have really struggled with. And I think that the uh, intention when states have legalized has been very good. But it's really about the implementation. And I'll highlight New York because that's the most recent example uh, everybody uh, in the industry is watching New York State very closely. We're hoping that they're able to have first sale in uh, Q1 uh, or uh, 2023 or some point uh, close thereafter. The staff's working really hard on it and we're excited about the work that they're doing. But what they announced last week was that, um, and this is the Office of Cannabis Management, was that the first 100 plus retail licenses are going to people that have had cannabis convictions and or a family member that's had it. So. This is really a, an opportunity. It's a very unique approach. It's an opportunity by the state uh, to try to create opportunity um, for folks in New York State that have been living with this burden for the bulk of their lives. So I'm very, very pleased uh, to support this. My company is pleased to support it. And again, it's just about are we going to be able, or is the state going to be able to implement it properly? Well, and are you going to be able to find like actual like candidates for these business licenses? Because in, in theory, it is nice to to find 100 applicants you know, that have a cannabis conviction, but they also have to have a 10 percent stake in a business that ran profitably for two years. That's right. And it's that's a tricky wicket, that one, because uh, we're spending a lot of time kind of talking about what should the involvement be? whether you're a multi-state operator, whether you're a large um, company like Canopy that has the backing of a large alcohol company, um, a company that has the capital to actually help small business succeed. What's our role in this? That's appropriate. You know, uh, We don't want to see, I know from my company perspective, we don't want to have a figurehead that's there on the retail side. Um, we want to make sure that this is something that uh, is, is successful for that individual and for the team of people that they grow. But I do think that the capital question is one that we're gonna to have to get right and one that I think we could be very helpful with um, uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, and that's not unique to New York, right? right. You know, uh, we saw coming out of the 2020 election how powerful ballot initiatives are in terms of driving, you know, state level change. And so hopefully there's opportunities in, in other new to transition, you know, markets like in New Jersey. For sure. Yeah, New Jersey's uh, another good one. Um, they're, you know, they were supposed to come online by February 22. They're running a little bit behind. This is hard to stand up. I mean, it's, it's hard to set up a whole new regulatory structure for a whole new industry. 
Governor said it's going to be a few weeks on, I think, February 24. So we have a little bit of time left. Maybe he's a little bit over his a few weeks, but they're getting close in New Jersey. But, you know, if we back up, um, Vivian, and we think about the states, that's probably the most important conversation that we can have right now in the cannabis space, because it's where you're seeing the most momentum. And coming off the 2020 election, there were five ballot initiatives. They were all successful. That was an incredible amount of momentum that we saw, right? Then going into 2021, we had seven states that tackled cannabis reform, even more that looked at it. That was an enormous amount of momentum. Um, 2022, we have the possibility again to have another five, six, seven, maybe even more states um, come online or that's you know adult use or expanding their medical markets. So the momentum in the states is something that um, I could not be happier with. Uh, and I think that we are not going to slow this train down in the states at all because the economic argument is about to come into play. Keep in mind that all these governors right now are sitting on uh, just vast amounts of budget to spend um, because of the post-COVID and the, the funds they've received from the federal government, that's not going to be the case next year with tax coffers. They're going to be depleted. So they're going to be looking for new sources of revenue, new industry. Um, cannabis also is exciting because it's going to keep young people in their state. So there are a lot of states, especially the rural, rural ones that are losing their population, their young population to other, other states, other cities. Um, and to keep young people around, I think cannabis is, is a really good way to do it. There was a, an elected official that I knew very well that he would always funnel everything through that lens. How do we attract young people? How do we keep young people? And I do think that cannabis is, is an answer to that uh, in communities all across the U.S. Yeah, I mean, and, and hopefully that does drive the momentum because the momentum that you laid out 2020, 2021, 2022, that's not been lost on investors at all. I think the big surprise, however, was that we got the results of the five ballot initiatives on election night in, in 2020. We had the Georgia special. It felt like state-level momentum was finally going to translate into federal momentum. Where is the Biden administration? Yeah, well, uh, I absolutely thought that everything in the states um, was going to translate into federal momentum. I absolutely thought that the post-Georgia special election results was going to mean that we had this democratically controlled Congress, White House, we were literally dealt the perfect hand and that we were going to see significant momentum. Um, but the bottom line is that we haven't. And the memo that I wrote uh, at the beginning of 2021 to my leadership uh, could not have been further off. Uh, it's one of those embarrassing political memos that I wrote um, that uh, you know I wish I could find a trash can for and it could never see the light of day again. I think the biggest reason uh, to your question that we haven't seen the momentum that we were expecting is the Biden administration. And um, I don't understand why uh, the president hasn't acted on this yet. Um, he obviously has had a lot on his plate. He's had to get the pandemic under control. Um, we've got just ridiculous inflation right now. Uh, we have the situation in Ukraine. These are massive issues that can really suck all the oxygen out of the room politically for, for any administration. So they've got a lot to tackle. But the president said during the campaign that he was going to decriminalize. He was also going to reschedule cannabis for additional research purposes. We know that he's not comfortable with the plant. Um, his son had a problem with drugs and alcohol. Uh, he also legislated on cannabis for 50 plus years. 
uh, on the war on drugs. And, you know, that's not on cannabis, sorry, on the war on drugs. But that's, those are two things that, you know, shaking the idea that it's a gateway drug and shaking the idea that the war on drugs wasn't the right thing to do after that many decades of legislating on it, those are very difficult. But his inaction has consequences. And the consequences are threefold. Number one, uh, we are missing the opportunity to keep young people in their states and to create an economic market and jobs. Um, I think that the number of jobs that we could create if we legalize federally would be over a million in addition to the 400 plus thousand that we already have. Uh, Number two is that there are still going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be arrested for cannabis in this country this year. That is just not right. That's not acceptable. Uh, and then number, number three, there are hundreds of thousands of people across this country that are living with nonviolent uh, cannabis-related offenses, and it takes away their opportunity. It takes away their ability to get good-paying jobs, their ability to get a, to get a mortgage, to, to get a car loan, things, things that you and I probably take advantage or take for granted, but they have never been able to do it, and I am not okay with that. I don't know why the president it is. Um, but in my mind, that inaction is just completely unacceptable. So that leaves us with Congress, right? I mean, the good news, I guess, is that as more states legalize, there are more representatives, there are more senators where cannabis is a reality for them and their constituencies. So so where do we sit there? Maybe let's start with the House. Yeah, sure. So first, to your point about more and more kind of red states and their, their members, as more and more red states come online, they have a direct impact on their federally elected officials. So, you know, the work that we need to be doing this year and next to bring more and more conservative states into the cannabis fold, whether it's medical or full adult use, that is critically important because it will have a direct influence on those conservative members uh, and how they tackle cannabis. So that's important work. In terms of Congress itself, I think we need to think about three pieces of legislation that are of primary importance. Um, and I'll start in the House. The first, and this is all democratically led pieces of legislation. The first is the MORE Act. So we talked a lot about this over the years, you and I, and the media talks a lot about this. This is a bill that was entered as a comprehensive reform package, um, and it would take cannabis off schedule completely. It has a very robust social equity aspect to it. The regulatory piece of it is not quite as exciting because it just punts it to the tobacco model in in layman's terms. But this bill passed the House of Representatives uh, under Chairman Nadler's leadership in December of 2020. And we are going to see the House address this bill again and pass it, in my opinion, um, probably late this month, if not early April. Okay, That's going to happen in the House. That bill then will go to the Senate. And almost around the same time, we're going to see Senator Schumer, he's the majority leader in the U.S. Senate, along with his colleagues, Senator Wyden, he's the chairman of the Finance Committee, and Senator Booker, He's from New Jersey, um, a longtime cannabis advocate. Uh, he, the three of them, will be introducing a bill in April that was out for public comment in the summer last summer. Uh, the industry commented on it. It's also a comprehensive reform package. Takes cannabis completely off schedule. It has a very uh, robust um, uh, regulatory structure that they've spent a lot of time thinking about, uh, including tax rate and you know, all the other bells and whistles that you're going to need. And um, that bill is going to get. Uh, introduced most likely per Senator Schumer's last comments uh, in April of this year. When that happens, it's going to get a lot of attention, right? Maybe around 420. You know, if they do it on 420, (laughs) yeah. 
uh-huh. for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, for more than one reason. <laughs> well, I do have a game with my staff. We have a, a you know, a, an over and under on 420. Uh, I'm taking the over. Most of them took the under. A lot of them wanted to take right on. Um, we've got a really nice tweed hoodie that's, uh, you know, the winner's going to get. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the infamous canopy growth tweed hoodies uh, that we get for all of our prizes. But that bill is going to get introduced. It's going to get national attention. And by that, I mean the Today Show and the New York Times and, you know, CNN. They're, they're going to be out there talking about this all day, every day, um, because it's a really good issue for the party. They know that going into the elections, this is going to help them with their primaries because it's a very progressive issue. It's also going to help them going into the general election and potentially help to um, stop what should be a pretty significant bloodbath for the Democrats going into the midterm elections. So they're using this as a wedge issue. They see it as a winner. Ultimately, I think it goes to the floor and it fails. The Democrats then come back. They will almost certainly lose the House. They may or may not lose the Senate, although I'm leaning towards that they will. The Senate's going to be much closer. And then the question is, what do they do in the lame duck? And the third piece of legislation comes into play then. And that is the Safe Banking Act. And the lame duck period, by the way, is that period after the election until the new Congress takes over. So uh, the Democrats are going to have to make a decision if, you know, do we do we try to do something before we leave? And that would be the Safe Banking Act, which would provide access for those that are legal operators in legal states to have access to the banks. So we don't have to do this cash business thing that we've been doing for so long, um, which is dangerous and just horrible from a business point of view to have to deal with it. So uh, we're hopeful that that will get done. That's probably the only thing that we're going to get done this year, that Congress will get done this year. The wild card in all of this is Joe Biden, and I'll circle back to him. Um, If he acts on this in any way, shape, or form to try to help the party in the midterms, if he decides to decriminalize it, if he even says a word about cannabis, which he hasn't yet, or if he even puts a person on his staff that is responsible for cannabis because there is not one person inside the White House responsible for cannabis reform. Uh, and I don't understand that either. But if he does do it, then it's a very, very different ball game. Um, and you and I would be having a very different conversation if he had said something this morning. Yeah, but to your point, that is an if. And, you know, you've laid out, you know, not a great setup for the Democrats, you know, going into 2022. So if the Democrats do lose the House and possibly lose the Senate, like, is there any hope? For, for cannabis between 22 and 24? Yeah, I think there is. Uh, and there is a very courageous congresswoman from the state of South Carolina. Uh, her name is Nancy Mace, and she's from Charleston. Uh, she's a new member, and she ran on cannabis reform. And as soon as she got into Congress, she started working on cannabis reform. And in fact, she introduced the State's Reform Act fairly recently. Um, this is a also a comprehensive cannabis reform package. It would take it off schedule. Uh, it establishes a regulatory structure, which she and her staff spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, it expunges federal records. It does a lot of the things that I was mentioning earlier that you know the White House could do on their own, but her bill also does to um, really create opportunity uh, for people of color and to remove that burden that is nonviolent cannabis um, offenses. So I think Nancy's bill is going to be important if the Republicans take control because it's going to give them a landing spot to, to have the conversation about it and what's the reasonable approach for them as a party. She has a low tax rate. That's a theme for Republicans. She, it's a state's rights bill. That's a theme for Republicans. She and her colleague, Representative Dave Joyce from Ohio, they're leaders in this space in the House. I think we're going to see some leaders in the Senate pop up 
because the electability on this is so good. So I'm not um, discouraged about Republicans taking control. Um, I think we have a lot more spade work to do with them, but I do think that they're going to come out of the woodwork and look to work on this issue. Uh, and I also think the state efforts that I mentioned earlier are going to drive all this. Also, on the White House side of things, 2023 could be the year that President Biden decides that he's going to engage on this and set himself up to use this for his own political gain for 2024. Now, I may be giving his political team too much credit, but that's what I would do if I were them. Because using this as a midterm election, like that doesn't help him get reelected, but using it going into 2024 will, whether he likes it or not. So I would basically, I would put together a bipartisan commission, 2023. I would review it. I'd put a 12-month period on it. I would come back in 2024 and I would begin to act. You know, I would decriminalize at the right time politically. I would begin to put the wheels of government in motion to reschedule because that's what he is comfortable doing. And that's a whole separate topic of conversation. But politically, that would be such a winner for him that I think it would give him an, an enormous boost uh, in the polls as he goes into what should be a very difficult reelection period for him and his party. Well, it doesn't seem like all is lost, I guess, is the message, right? There there are certainly a number of different pathways that, that we should be watching, um, which I think is, is encouraging at a, at a minimum. And to your point, we still have the states. Um, yeah. And that momentum is is progressing absent of any kind of federal intervention. So I guess, you know, that's the good news. Last question for me. You've been so generous with your time. Sure. Um, any high-level impressions on South by Southwest? Well, I've had just an absolutely fabulous uh, experience here, and I've met uh, so many people from all across the board. Uh, so whether it's a new app that I'm using to rent cars or whether it's somebody that has a new and innovative uh, healthcare technology that they're bringing to market, um, I've really met just an unusually uh, strong group of interesting people here. All of those people are as interested in the cannabis space as I am uh, in, in the work that they're doing and the work that I don't quite understand. So um, that gives me a great deal of hope and something that I think I will end on a very positive note with you by saying that um, the world is interested in this. The world wants cannabis. Uh, it doesn't matter what line of work you're in. And the American public certainly does. We just need to get uh, our politicians out of their own way. Uh, and then I think slowly but surely we, we will get to the point uh, of reform. Ah, oh, it was so great to have you on. Uh, this is Vivian Azer, Cowan's Beverages, Tobacco, and Cannabis Analyst. Delighted to be joined by Canopy Gross, David Culver, VP of Government Relations. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights. Thank you.